0: On this week's show, I spoke with Rory Kelly of MRK Events. MRK Events was founded in 2016 by two siblings with a passion for live music and now offer tour dates, event management, venue programming and artist management services. Working with acts such as Hudson Taylor, The Academic, Danny O'Reilly, The Blizzards and many more, MRK are driving the live music scene in Northern Ireland and creating experiences for thousands of people to enjoy every year. Rory and Megan started their business out of passion and love for music and have now organized over 100 shows while operating the company on a part-time basis. MRK's methods are an inspiration for anyone looking to get involved in organizing and promoting live music events and after speaking to Rory, I expect to see a lot more of them in years to come. So let's see how we got on. Lovely to meet you. Likewise, well, thanks for having me on. Of course, thanks for coming out. Um, so you were telling me earlier when we were chatting last, um, you're looking at different different aspects with MRK now for this year. How's it going?
1: Yeah, like uh, so far, so good. Anyway, like because I suppose we we were we were kind of dealt the blow really early, like everyone else in terms of cancellations and stuff. Which for us as a as a small independent promoter, it's like it came as a it came as a huge knock to us because like we had quite quite a lot of good gigs lined up for the rest of the year. But um, I suppose just reconfiguring everything and having to rethink things and try try out new aspects that um that are totally totally unheard of to the company. Uh, I suppose has has given us a wee bit of like a refresh now coming into what is going to be hopefully like a a new normal as such. And,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. And what are these new aspects you're yeah. sort of, you're sort of thinking of?
1: Yeah, well, like. Not not necessarily new to anybody else, but they're definitely new to us in terms of like doing the lives on, on social media and stuff. And I think with, with like Instagram lives in particular, we've we've done quite a few of those now in the last in the last couple of months. And what we've been able to do with that is kind of build relationships with new artists that we haven't really worked with before. But at the same time, then look at a bigger picture and say, well, maybe down the line we can become like their go-to um for the north and the northwest like so we've been doing that we've been looking at um possibilities of maybe doing like outdoor kind of driving gigs as well i see gavin james um announced a few there recently but like we're kind of we're looking at different options for that um whether it could be feasible up here whether there's interest for it up here um so there's lots there's lots of kind of spinning plates as always with with what we're doing and um I suppose there there's another new aspect as well to ourselves and if anybody's been kind of looking on the mrK page or anything recently we started working with an artist called connor scott okay. um it's it's kind of like okay. our first foray in the artist management and talent management that way um talent management would fall into my background prior to MRK and stuff like that so started working with connor he released his first um his first single with us uh, at the start of May there called overthinking and We've got we've got quite a nice bit of interest out of that so far. Like we premiered on hot press there yesterday.
0: Um, Very good. Nice
1: tight video and stuff. So things there, there's lots of cool things happening in the background, like and I suppose it's it's all about keeping keeping things fresh and keeping motivated during this time as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I suppose you'll probably be able to reach like quite a big audience with the online stuff, the online gigs. It's obviously not the same effect, unfortunately. You like it's good for Mark, I suppose maybe marketing a, brand, a band would it be or you know but can you see like can you see a future actually developing out of online gigs
1: yeah well like th- this is a this is a question I, i've been putting to some of the artists that i've had on the on, on the and stuff is it are they enjoyable like from an artist's perspective do they like to and, the, and like the general consensus is that it, it tends to be something now that they have to do because the, the, it's 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 a it's a way of engaging their fans, it's a way of engaging an audience that are kind of crying out for something at the minute. And for us, like that, that might be the case too. Where you know, like we we might look at doing something. I see like uh, Law going live starting tonight with um, Fargo saying, Thanks Brother, and like something like that has been kind of going around our heads as well, going, right, maybe we could do something like this whereby you might not necessarily get a crowd, but it could be a case whereby you put something on, you do a full live production on something, and then there might be a broadcast element to it. Like, there's there's lots of spin in place, but I do definitely think that, you know, as 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 we go on and as we adjust to this, new, um, to this new period of time, I suppose, like, I do think that it's going to become a lot more prominent than it's ever been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like, you know, obviously I'd imagine bands and artists, you know, they sort of they they use the crowd for to like to perform. Let's say I say like the, to the atmosphere nearly adds to their performance. So it'd be hard to sort of, I suppose, gauge, get any sort of crack at like performing to yourself and then trying to publish, you know, promote it online. Um, what about the driving gigs do you see what do you think they're going to do all right um, do you know
1: like it, it's, it's going to be new, and I suppose like it, it is it is the case at the moment where people are looking for looking for ways to break up their routine and looking for ways to ch- change up what they're doing at the minute and like if you do <laughs> old saying goes if you put it on they'll come like do you know yeah, that's and what i'm thinking I, I think in terms of events like people. people People are going to be looking for live music. They are going to be looking to, you know, change up, change up what they're doing. Um, I think especially music fans. uh, like all the cancellations will have hit a lot of people hard. Like because you know this summer, even for ourselves, not only as a promoter but on a personal level in terms of gig tickets that we had bought and stuff. Like seeing all these great gigs that were lined up just cancelled one after the other and after the other, and you're kind of going to yourself, Jesus, like, oh, oh, what am I going to do? Like, where yeah. am I going to get my? where am I going to get my gig fixed out of like, and I suppose like a drive-in gig is probably, it's it's an opportunity for an artist, but it's also an opportunity for people to actually change their way of thinking and change change their, their, their own concept of what gigs should be because like, we, nobody knows where this is going to go. Nobody knows how long like social distancing is going to remain in place. Nobody knows how long like the gig industry is going to be affected. Like, so I suppose it is, it is, something that I keep coming back to in terms of adjusting and actually rolling with it and just you know go, going with the times and I think tri- driving gigs are essentially going to be part of that now
0: yeah yeah I'd, I'd imagine so um you mentioned you mentioned there that you had a lot of gigs booked in like to go like to attend yourself this year you're obviously pretty interested how, how did you get started with promoting and how did MRK yeah, start
1: so,
0: I kind of it kind of fell into
1: my lap that like um I I was I suppose from, from a family background, like we were always brought up with not, not necessarily around music but with with like music maybe in the ears and stuff like that. Like mum and dad would always have it on the car and stuff and then uh my family would own a own a venue in Donegal as well. Like so I wouldn't say like we we were those kids that were running around it as five and six because we weren't like do you know what I mean? But we were always familiar with it and um, I got to about, whenever I was about 22, I was actually given an opportunity to go on as, a, as the events manager in the, in the venue. And for me, at the time, like the venue's esteemed. It's, it's the back room in okay, and, Donegal. Yeah. and Like it's, it's a really esteemed venue like in terms of some of the names I've played there. You're talking Towns Van Zandt's played there, Peter Green Fleetwood Mac, Rodney Crowell, Emmy Lou Harris. Like these amazing names, in like the, especially in the Americana. Uh, genre, but what why I was challenged with whenever I kind of went in there was to try and get a new audience to the place and try to get like that young audience to become familiar with what was going on there. So um, it's kind of it was really by default, and then I moved to London about two years after that to work in uh, a football agency. Okay, but at the same time I kind I kind of maintained my, my my love of kind of running gigs and booking bands and. I think a lot of it was really relationship built in terms of, you know, meeting other bookers, meeting managers, meeting bands, and then kind of maintaining that then as, as, as you go along. So I decided to set up MRK with my sister Megan. Um, our first gig, <laughs> it was funny, like, because we had worked together on a few gigs in, in McGrory's, and one of the things then we, want, we always wanted to do kind of between us was to set up a festival. And our first actual proper gig was OTB in Bunkrana. Uh, we won yeah, that with a Flaherty yeah. Fire and the first year like it is funny looking back because like you get all these memories popping up and stuff and you're seeing how bad it looked like. But to <laughs> us it was it was amazing, like because we had put on three days of music, we had twelve or fifteen different acts, I can't remember, but to us it was a big deal because it was like that first step on a ladder. So a week after that we went in and we said, right, let's put down a five year plan for it. Um focusing around OTV but then as it went on as well we decided wait well let's let's try run let's try to run a business in the middle of this as well so not just waiting for um for an annual event but let's, let's try run something as well so our first two gigs then we moved into Derry and um, first two gigs were in a venue called the Glassworks which is an amazing space that was kind of going unused for a while like we we became familiar with it, other voices and used it for one of their one of their Derry gigs and um, we just kind of we, we, we did what anybody would do we we lifted the phone we tried to find out who, who runs it got permission to use it and then we went from there and um, we put on a gig with hudson taylor who we've managed to maintain a good a, a good relationship with as, as we've moved on and then another young band from Derry called the docks um who's since disbanded but what was amazing was that that was their big hometown gig. And these were four lads that were all 17, 18. And they put on a gig and sold like 350 tickets sales. Like, and to us. I suppose that gave us the wee, the wee kick, in, kick in the arse. And they say, you know what? There, there's a bit of legs in this, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, when I was researching you a bit, I, I couldn't believe I'd never heard of the Glassworks before. It looks like the ideal place to go for a gig. It looks really intimate. But, you know, is it an old church or something? I don't know. It, it looks amazing. It's,
1: yeah, like it's 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 a strange one because like I think it's been used as like multi purpose over the years. I think it was an yeah, old yeah. church at one stage. I've been told it was a library, the name The Glassworks came because it was uh it was like a, a glass shop as something. well. Yeah, so yeah. the glass factory I so like it was one of those ones where you walk into it and don't get me wrong, like the, the first day we walked into it there was an element of looking around going, Jeez, this isn't a bit of a shithole like, <laughs> but as it went on and like as you know, as as them themselves put a bit of put a bit of investment in it, and we've seen the opportunity that comes with having a having a space like that. Um, it's been improved and it's been uh, you know refurbished in certain parts. And for us, it's like a go to because it's perfect size. You know, you can do like a you can do a two hundred seated gig there. You can do a three hundred and fifty standing gig there if you wanted. And for us as a starting point, it was really really important that we were able to, I suppose, have a venue like that. Um, and have a space like that as well and um, it gave us a really good platform to actually begin and then to actually run with it then yes
0: yeah, so you've you've obviously sold out shows in the Glassworks before how, how do you go about doing something like that like 350, um, 350 standing it's all like promote like gig promotion was always something I was really interested in I was never very good at it I never really tried it properly but it was always something I'd like to get into at some stage Um but it's not easy to do. It's not easy to sell three hundred fifty tickets to anything. No
1: man, it's it's it, it's notoriously difficult. Like and especially, I suppose, in, in a time like Derry, where the live music scene for people my age, you know, it kind of tailed off a bit. Like they like y- you had you had one big weekend. BBC came to town and they did this big, massive, amazing festival over in Ebrington, which is a class old barracks in, in Derry. What's it called, but,
0: sorry
1: It's Ebrington Eber- Square. Yeah. Um, but like that, that site itself is, is special. And like for us, kind of seeing that there was an appetite for music there, it kind of gave, gave us a premise then to go and build something towards maybe driving like an element of a live music scene to people our age and to people of that demographic that may not necessarily have anything else to go to other than a dance night or a rebel night so what we what we kind of planned was the quality over quantity at the very start we were thinking right well if we can nail it if we can bring really good acts here um took it took a while to actually build up those connections build up the relationships it took took a lot of trips to like dublin a lot of trips to belfast to gigs just to get talking to people but what we managed to do then was put together like a stable of four or five different artists that we knew would sell the place out that had a big enough profile Nationally, that would translate into what is uh, a very, very difficult territory and And thankfully, it paid off. Like, thankfully, it worked out. And like, we we did. We took we took an element, um, took an element of risk to it because it was like we we started ourselves. Like, everything that we planned it was our own. Mm. Um, and we're we're not exactly. We don't exactly have money to burn between us. Like, and it was really cool then to see these things pay off. And I th- I think. Once you get that incentive and once you get that element where you're kinda of going, right, I've played a role in this, what's next? Um that that was like the that I suppose that's where the glassworks came in as one of the key key parts to the beginning to the beginning of, of the journey as such and selling the tickets, it's hard. Um it is yeah. really hard. There's been days where you're sitting there and you're going, Right, how am I gonna shift hundred tickets here two days out from my gig? How am I gonna do it? Um and you don't do it and there's there's learning curves in that um but anything that we've booked like thankfully the majority of the shows have gone really well um with with those shows doing well it's kind of enabled us then to actually go and pick shows then that we want to do that may be smaller audiences smaller crowds but it could be touring musicians from the uk that we think right if we can get on their radar and they get on our radar for going or going forward if they get bigger then they'll always remember who looked after them in Derry or in Donegal or in the Northwest. So I get you, I get you. That's, so, um, that's yeah, the, so kind of the method behind it.
0: That's pretty good. So if if you were... Uh, obviously, so the band, the quality of the band, the bands following will obviously help you sell tickets, but say if you were promoting a gig, would the booker that you're dealing with, or you being the booker, would you... Uh, you work with the agent. Does the agent do any promotion on the other side, like the band side of things, or is it yeah? that's nice completely up yeah, to we,
1: Yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate that way. Like We've worked with really good agents and really good promoters. Um, thankfully, again, it's a wee bit like on the band side where you build up these relationships and then you, you become their person for that area or that territory. Like So we've been okay. very fortunate that way, whereby you have your MCDs, your Aikens, Um, even the ones in the UK like they'll they'll come to us now with things and say look do you fancy taking it for up there do you fancy trying that one and like more more often than not we will try it like and there has been cases where we've got it wrong where we've said no to gigs and then you look and they're going up to Belfast and they're selling out like that and that's I suppose that's all part of the game in terms of like trying out and you know backing yourself and backing the company but then also having the having the proverbial cojones to actually say no to a big promoter then who's pushing something your way so um, I, I think it, we, we really really are fortunate that way we work on a case by case basis with the mm. Um but in terms of promotion then like it, it's always it's always really good like for example the academic we've had them um, at shows maybe you know, 100 people to 300 people then up we did the Guild Hall recently um, in October last year 600 people and then we actually had them booked into the Millennium Forum this year which is over a thousand people so they've been a dream they've been a dream in terms of their, their their self-promoting as well because whenever whenever they have like such a good structure and stu- such a strong presence as well in the online community like it makes it easier then for us selling the gigs because albeit we do have the market up here we are missing people and if those people then have a taste like the academic who they are following the academic or passing them to us and we're passing them back to them it's all beneficial for both of us you know
0: yeah yeah it's mainly Irish acts you look after I've noticed so like if you say tomorrow I you know I saw a band down here and I wanted to book them to a gig I go I look directly for a book uh, their booking agent that's the first person I'd look for is that would that be the right way to go about it Um,
1: it it depends like it's uh, a lot a lot of it's case by case like because like I I brass neck it a wee bit of times where I'll go straight to the band and say look okay. you want a gig and then they they might say ah right or they could say ah you need to speak to our manager or our agent and that that's fine like then you just go through that process but I'm uh, I'm of the opinion if you don't ask you don't get like so uh, I'm very very much yeah, right. very much operate that way where if, if you can go to a manager or a band first then brilliant and then if they pass you on to an agent then that, that that's how you, that's how you operate then.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, if I uh, say, is there much of a financial sort of risk at the start? Do you need to put anything down, or is it does it you sort of try and keep it really cheap at the very start and sell your tickets, and then hope the gig does all right, and then you would work off a split? I imagine, is it?
1: Um, it again, case by case. Um, for us, we we decided to go into it with zero. We decided to really go into it and say, right, well, look, we're not going we're not going to fork out massive money on. On, on an act whenever we we didn't have it in the company like so what we did was for example with hudson taylor i i would have had an idea of how to negotiate um in terms of my, my own background like in the mm-hmm. venue beforehand but then in the sports side as well so i was kind of able to get a good grasp of what kind of figure i would have or they they would have been looking for in terms of from their agent and stuff so that that, that was that was grand that way um the boys are really, really good with us as well, as you know, because of the relationship that we have with them. So it was nearly like we were both doing each other a favor by putting the gig on. Um, we were able to, like we, we knew Hudson Taylor was sell-out. Um, they have a big pull. We'd been to Hudson Taylor gigs in Derry before, and they always, always drew a big crowd. Like, So if we could bring a new element to this and, you know, bring bring Hudson Taylor to a venue that people were maybe not familiar with but wanted out of pure curiosity to go to um that's that's basically the model that we took with it and into, into that show but financially like as it's gone on there are there are gigs where we've had to commit money to um just in terms of like your deposits or your 50 percent upfront and stuff like that but it's always like it is always a case-by-case basis where you do a full breakdown at the start before you before you book the band you usually have to pitch in an offer with that breakdown included as well to make sure that it's worthwhile for the band, but for them also to familiarize themselves with what you're doing in terms of why your offer looks like that or how much your expenses are going to come into it as well like so there there's lo- there are lots of floating parts like and lo- lots of um, lots of things to consider before you book like a, a, it's, it is very much like you have to take the time to look at each each individual part to make sure that you can get the, the best bang for your book too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you did you flop much at the start? Did you or oh, have you got lucky? <laughs> did you? Do
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, listen, we uh, we were very fortunate say, in our first year, whereby we did I think we did about twelve gigs and a level and sold out. But what <laughs> that kind of what that kind of did to us then was install like a false sense of security. Um, so then okay. we 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 went in and we started planning different gigs with different acts that may not necessarily have had a following up here but we thought, Oh it'll work, it'll work, it'll work, they're big on Spotify, they're getting all these hits on YouTube, all the rest and we thought, right, let's go for it and a few of them bombed and a few of them really, really bombed badly to the point where we were kinda of sitting going, is this is this worth it? Like and there was there was one example where we actually took um, we took a contracting role from a festival up this way to actually book their festival and we managed to put on like a really really strong lineup like and what we didn't consider whenever we were putting on this lineup was like everybody was telling us oh, what a lineup this this would be great anywhere around the country what we didn't consider was the demographic of that area and of that festival so whenever we had a lineup of say four national acts that were kind of top tier we only had maybe Five hundred out of about six thousand capacity show up to it, so that was a real learning curve for us as well, um, in terms of the contract and in terms of actually thinking out everything before before you take the take the leap to actually going and
0: booking something. Okay, would you ever do anything like that again? Try a bigger, absolutely, 600. you would, yeah, yeah. absolutely, one hundred percent. Like at the end of the day, we're,
1: I I say to everybody, like I'm, we're not in this to just keep doing small shows. Like you, you want to get bigger and you want to get better all the time like we've seen it with our festival whereby like we, we've gone from how it looked in year one where you had maybe 200 people um, to a thousand last year and then this year like we were forecasting up to up to 1200 this year um, for the festival which is organically built by ourselves and, and, uh, and the Flaherty's themselves like so for us like we, we always want to keep getting bigger with gigs, better with gigs like um, but also maintain that we are not turning our nose up then at doing your smaller gigs like your glass works, like your sand. Yeah, absolutely. Like that as well, you know, we, we, at the end of the day, they're your bread and butter. They're the ones that kind of keep, keep things going and then they're the ones that enable you to take the bigger steps then.
0: Yeah, I think if after, if I was allowed to go do something tomorrow and lockdown is completely lifted, it'd be something like OTB is where I'd be going to, you know, it like the capacity looks small but looks like super compact. There's one bar, one like nice size stage. It's completely covered in the the main area, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's perfect, you know, for... There's not enough of that, I don't think, it's, in, in you know, Dublin at the moment either. Would you ever consider you know, moving, you know, moving things like down to Dublin? Um,
1: operations, not nah, because I think, like, what we have up here is really good. Um What I would consider is potentially taking, like, a concept like that around the country. Um, mm. I think, you know, there will be opportunities, hopefully, in the next couple of years to do things like that, but... I think where we are at the minute, in terms of, um, in terms of scale, in terms of the audience that we've built, and in terms of what we've been doing, I think we're we're kind of, our, our reputation's okay up here. You know, it's good, it's we're trusted. Um, I think whenever it translates to your Belfast market and your Dublin market, I think they know about us and they trust us up here. So that if anything do come. To t- they might necessarily not know how to do They'll push our way and we'll run for them so i think yeah uh, we, we i think for, for now i think we'll, we'll stick to stick to where we are you know yeah so. yeah
0: yeah um so rick and with otb what what's otb stand for again out the back out the back that's exactly what it is as well <laughs> i love the it
1: there's, uh, a, there's a few uh there's a few interpretations of it going around up here there's one there's on the beer there's uh there's one out the book there's a there's there's lots of ones but it's uh it's funny like because the name kind of came around out of nowhere um i was sitting in my office in london at the time and we were getting things sent over and back between lineups and between contracts and stuff and the key aspect we were like what are we gonna call it like (laughs) there's four of us in the group message going jesus like we need to pick something that's going to last but something that's going to be unique enough too like and it was funny whenever uh, I was kind of just typing up different things and I was trying to g- draw up different poster ideas and artwork and stuff and um, I just kind of typed in what is it it's the right back so I'll take an OTB and then everyone was like yeah that looks good we got into a bit of a pickle last year two years ago um, tickets tickets were flying for it like we had we had little hours and we had Ryan McMullen playing, and we had a couple of messages coming to the page saying, uh, when's, when's off the ball coming to Bunkrana? And we were going, What, what are you all about? And they're like, are are the tickets for who's your guest and stuff? we were going,
0: uh, No. Oh,
1: what are you all about? Like, oh, TV and I'm going, Ah, oh, right. Jeez. So that, that, that kind of that got us to change the thinking a little bit then, like, what? O T V, I think it's something that I think it works. That, like it, it was something where, like going back to the plan, it, it does work. Like, and I suppose it it has it has that thing where it can be changed as well because of our setting where we are. Like we're we're based in a seaside town. Like so, like our our goal was to move it from out the back to on the beach. Um, oh, nice. And you know that that mm-hmm. that that might come down the line. Just but just at the minute, I think we're in terms of what we've built and in terms of you know the format. Um there's always things we can improve on so like the, the aim is really just to keep improving on those to the point then whenever we say right, we need to open this up to two or 3,000 people because we, we can't take any more out the back you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the sort of capacity you said, did you say 1,200 a second got the connections a bit funny here but um, did you say the capacity yeah, for OTB at the um, moment is 1,200?
1: Yeah, so we've had to like reconfigure the site a few times. Um, obviously, the first year was small, second year in fairness to Flaherty's, like they put a lot of work into reconfiguring the whole area and that opened it up to us in. I think we did I think it was with five hundred five hundred, six hundred and then last year we did a thousand as I said. So this year we were hoping for twelve hundred, albeit with moving moving a few things around on the site and stuff. But um it it kinda it kinda has to the cap there because obviously like the the fire safety aspect and everything like that's the number we would be permitted to do, you know, in certain yeah. areas and stuff. So we obviously like that. That's determined by the by the powers that be. So, but I think, I think it's nice though because like whenever it sells out, it looks great. Like it looks absolutely brilliant. And whenever you have an a, like a lineup as well that's built of like emerging artists and emerging artists that are playing your electric picnics and playing your longitudes and stuff like that, it looks great on us. Then that we're able to bring them. Up to doing all then for these for these gigs as well. So that's the kind of that's the kind of idea behind it anyway. You know to be that kind of go to on the calendar for emerging artists as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what sort of what sort of like money or what sort of margins are made with a gig like that? With like if you're selling selling it out, yeah. Like you don't have to you don't have to tell me yeah, the yeah. numbers, but super, uh, like you're talking. Like how much do you have to put in to, to to produce it? Yeah, well, like with OTV, it's it's we're very
1: fortunate that we, we do it in partnership with the Flaherty's. Yeah. Um, so like site rental is non-existent. So like the the main the main kind of money that we would look at whenever we are putting anything together is your production and your lineup. Like so, w- we've been very very fortunate that way in terms of we can share, we can split the bill nearly up to the point. Then whenever your ticket is generating more than that like so i think it all does come down to how fortunate you are with your site um
0: yeah
1: like i know if we if we were to moogle tv the infrastructure alone would like it would blow what we what the current kind of margins are out of the water yeah you would have to put in obviously greater security probably a bigger structure production wise would need to be lifted and everything so like these are these are all things that we do we, we do consider gig by gig but um, in terms of margins like if you do it the right way and you and you kind of factor it all in at the very start there, there is and, and obviously you get the right sponsors on board as well they actually put some of the bills and they get put their name beside it like there, there is there is opportunity you know provided you nail those certain aspects and provided you get the support too because at the end of the day if people don't come you could throw 100 grand at something and if people don't show up then it's not going to work like so you need you sort of
0: need to be selling out the show or like say could could you still sell uh 80 percent of the tickets and make it worth your while or are you really relying on yeah, the, like, out the show
1: well like we i suppose whenever any budget that i do any kind of breakdowns that i do i never i never base it on a sellout because i think that's foolish and i think you always have to give yourself that contingency as well to say maybe we'll do it on the 70 or we'll do it on 80 percent in terms of the planning and then anything that comes after that then's a bonus. So like that, that's that's the kind of that's the model I would take whenever I'm whenever I'm looking at it anyway, certainly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um if you if you if you're to get an international act, are you gonna promote international acts ever? You, We've done a few. We've done a few. Like
1: um we had a guy, like one of our last gigs there just before we finished up um, with COVID nineteen was a guy called Reese Lewis. Like Reese Lewis is nearly two hundred million streams on Spotify, He's an English guy. Um, okay, but Reese's gig was class because I think he, he was due to go on tour now with Lewis Capaldi. Like so that's the kind of that's the kind of level we would be at in terms of booking internationally at the minute. Like um my thinking is more so in Ireland, get the biggest acts you can get in Ireland for now. Mm-hmm. And then that'll kind of that'll put you in a much better position then to go after an international act, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 of course. Um yeah, well, it's, I, you know, I think it's a good idea to branch out. You're definitely doing a good thing with the Irish bands um, from what I've seen so far. Indeed. Um, I suppose then, what did you have in mind for 2020 like that's not going to happen? That Unfortunately, everybody that oh, parties man, at the like MRK big, gigs won't, won't get to do this year.
1: It's like a big sob story. <laughs> we, uh, we had like three of our biggest gigs planned. Um three huge gigs planned for for between easter and easter and july and then obviously otb was going to be probably the biggest version of that yet so we had that all planned but then we also had like different bits and pieces like with councils and with organizations planned whereby we would come in and program things for them um we did we we did the actual the jerry halloween celebrations biggest halloween festival in europe we did those in october there and that kind of gave us the taste for how to do that kind of thing and how to build, um, how to build a week long program. And for us, then it, we were really looking at it, saying, "Right, well, we need to do more of these. You know, we we need to be putting ourselves out there and doing like a week's a week's worth of gigs um, whenever there are people about. So, like there was, especially in Derry, like because Derry is such a busy, busy place, and mm-hmm. you know, from April to kind of September time, it's so busy with different passing and trade and everything. And we were. Trying to get in the middle of that and get different gigs on, and you know, as as, as somebody would say, is selling the dream. Certain yeah. aspects, like we were, we we're selling ourselves the dream, saying, right, well, we could be doing fifteen to twenty really good shows here. But it is, uh, it's just, listen, it's it's one of those situations we we can't help. It's something that the whole industry is feeling at the minute. Yeah, um, We're probably a year behind now, which is. In a way, like there's no point looking at it as a downer. Like as I said to you earlier, it's it's a good chance to look at it and kind of discover what your strengths are, but discover where the opportunities lie as well. And I think that that's that's the main thing for us is kind of looking at these gigs that we have had to postpone or these gigs that we've had had to cancel and say, right, well, what can we do that's either going to be the same or going to be similar next year, whenever mm-hmm. there might be new restrictions in place or you know when things are back to normal. It's I suppose it's just looking a, a wee bit. We were further cited to
0: instead. Yeah. yeah, that that was one thing I was going to ask you. Uh, did like were there other types of events that you promoted, like ju- rather than just concerts and stuff? Like the Dairy Halloween gig you mentioned there is that uh, music based as well, or is it more arts? And the the
1: culture? majority of it was music based. Like, but whenever we were, I suppose whenever we were pitching for it, like we tried to make sure that we were taking in the different elements of it, like in terms of your culture, your arts, your poetry, your even your spoken word, like th- things like they got. We were trying to make sure that we brought in as much good as possible because there, there's quite a diverse range of people in Gary that week. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you want to give something for everybody and you want to you put on things that, yes, will go and sell out, like the Guild Hall affair at 600 people. But then you want to be able for older people say that they may not necessarily be into that thing, to come in, have a sit down, and listen to a bit of storytelling with music and like they were all different things that we did look into um we are primarily music now um i would stress that like but uh myself and megan know actually as well like our, our full-time gig at the minute is with junkature. couture and like junk couture is probably one of the standard competitions for creativity in, in europe never mind just ireland like it's mm. it's one of those things that you know, it challenges people to actually be innovative, be creative, but also to educate themselves in sustainability. So for us, being able to translate the, the events management site into like a larger scale where you're taking in nearly 50% of the school population in Ireland, like that that's that's a really good learning curve for us as well in terms of what we can do with MRK, but also what, you know, like what, what Gen Z are after and what what they are interested in because like, no bones about it, like not everybody's the same age as myself. That's going to gigs. Like they're, they're not all twenty-seven, twenty-eight year olds going to gigs. Yeah. They do you have that new audience coming every year? You're seventeen, 19-year-olds that want something different, and that's something that we'll just have to, I suppose, we'll ha- kind of have to roll with as well, and make sure that we're relevant in that market.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned John Couture. There is that a uh, so, like is that a, your company or no? So we work with said, them. Um, that's your that, full time yeah, job. That's it. That's that's, that's that's the full time gig. That's yeah. Uh,
1: that's like in fairness it, the opportunity whenever the opportunity came up to work with Junkature it was like 100% because it's i've heard scale, i've right? heard of the
0: brand before but i know nothing yeah. about it like you know just man it's
1: it's something else like really? it's something that i think give it given it another year to if you don't know if, if people in ireland if there are people in ireland that don't know about it they will know about it like like this year for example we took a few strides in terms of rte became uh, our media partner which was a huge thing we've been kind of planning to. Um, we managed to get the likes of Revolut on board as a partner as well. Like all these kind of brands that are relevant to young people, to Gen Zers, to people that are kind of taking their own decisions into their own hands. Now they're, they're teaching themselves things. They're kind of channeling their creativity differently to what it would have been 10 years ago. And, for us, with John Couture, like it's 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 amazing to actually see the talent on, on show in terms of what people can create with their hands and a bit of rubbish out of the bin. Like and you know, whenever you're able to, whenever you're able to see that work in a large scale place like the three Arena, which where where the Grand Finals held every year, it kind of it kind of instills that real belief in it. Then they go right, well, you could take this elsewhere. Yeah, this, yeah. You could take this elsewhere, and there's no wonder there's so many stakeholders now looking to get involved with it as well because it is it's. It's right on the sweet spot, I think, in so many things in terms of education, creativity, and sustainability. Like, it's it really hits all the right notes on each of those.
0: Yeah, it sounds right down my alleyway, to be honest with you. I must check it out. Um, so, I, was, I suppose, I was reading through your website and um, your Facebook and stuff, and one of your, your mission was basically to revitalize the music scene in the Northwest. I probably put a tick beside that one now. Do you, well, a, yeah, do, you have, do you have
1: a? Do you have another maybe, step to the mission? Um. No, listen. Like, if if we can if we can continue just to build what 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 we have up here, like I'm not going to turn around and say that it's Irish domination, world domination, anything like that, because I think you, like it's very much a phased plan, you know. Um, with the with the main goal of becoming that kind of. That, that recognizable um that recognizable fish in, in live music in the northwest. Like I think we I think we're well on the way to that. Um but again, like if if you don't continue to build on what you've done and you don't continue to build on what you have, then I think it's very hard to actually the 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 enhance that reputation as you go on because don't get me wrong, like we've done I think we've done maybe about a hundred gigs in a few years or whatever. And they've been different scales, but you want to get to a point whenever you are doing big big gigs. It's just big gigs after after gig after gig after gig. That's the level you want to get to, and I think there's a real appetite for it up here. And I think that music is music's going through a real transition up here as well. Whereby in the northwest for a long time there was two genres: there was country and there was like uh, dance music. Like, and we're we're neither. We fall in neither of those brackets. So for us to even get the live scene back in the mix among people and back in the suppose the thinking and the psyche of people as well, like that that was that was the initial goal behind it. Now that we've done that, we'll continue to try and build on that to hopefully get to a point where you do have um maybe a two day weekend gig in Everington and Derry where you have six thousand people show up. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's I suppose that's the plan and that's the, the goal as such with it and then anything that comes after that then I suppose we'll just take that as a comp.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you know that's you're obviously fairly dedicated to it to be to get a hundred gigs under your belt. Um, I imagine your, the relationship with your sister is pretty strong as well. To the uh, not many people, I don't think would be able to last uh, to build a company with their one of their siblings.
1: Yeah, well, look, I, th- I think we bring, I think the two of us bring different different qualities
0: to it, you know, and I think that helps. Um,
1: you think, do you think? Do you think
0: it? it uh, if you were to say give advice to anybody that wanted to start promoting, do you reckon two is better than one, or it
1: depends? You, I think your your thinking has to align. You know what I mean? Your your thinking absolutely has to align because if it doesn't, then you're going to end up going in different directions. Like whereas we we're very fortunate, like we we're able to, you know, throw ideas off each other. Um, consider different options but then at the same time rein each other in a wee bit too whenever you're kind of thinking right that could be a good idea financially it's a risk the other person would turn around and say well maybe we'll give it a miss this time and we'll focus on something that might be a wee bit more stable for the company or you know there another opportunity might come up like and i think that's important too but um in terms of two better than one it's it's really really Totally depends on what what the thinking is. Is, is. is if if your if your goals align, if your thinking aligns, with a hundred percent. Um, if not, then you know it's it's important to actually remain focused. And you know, if if, if you're ambitious enough that, uh, and lucky enough, like we we both are, you, you'll you'll work hard at it and you'll remain dedicated to
0: it. You know? Yeah, I think I think the fact that you're doing this as a like a, a part time project, I suppose, um. It would definitely help having two people involved, you obviously get more more ground covered. Um so that's why I, I would think that you're you're definitely on the right line with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, like and, and I suppose like there's there's different things that come into that too. Like because we like we're we're essentially still a startup, like, you know, and we are still a company that's really young where we're it's a small team, like we've been very fortunate as well that over over the last few years we've managed to bring different creatives on board with it as well. And like there's, uh, there's one girl in particular, Dervla Harper, and Dervla's a photographer that a lot of people in Irish music to be familiar with. Like, and Dervla came to one of our shows one time. We got talking after, and now she's a regular fixture with MRK. Like, and she's a really valuable fixture with them with MRK. Same as a guy called Sean McQuaid from Roadie TV. Like, Sean would have videoed all our gigs. And yeah, you know, I saw a lot of that, that. stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Man, like it's it's amazing to see like how you can kind of help people develop too like McDerville like was on stage at sonic last year photographing Sean was in Crow Park with the Rolling Stones two years ago I think like and just seeing how seeing how those opportunities kind of arise like it's the Irish music circle so small so that if you know one person they might introduce you to another like it really really helps like that's that's how we built our model to date like and that's how we will I suppose continue to help people to come to us as well that we feel you know that they, they'll they're willing to put a bit of work in with us they're willing to kind of commit to us as well and that's another side that we're actually exploring as well just based on I suppose the creative talent that Dervla and Sean would have brought to the game another side of the business that we've had to kind of have to start considering as well is like the talent side that like I mentioned Connor Scott earlier Connor's not alone in that in that creative um creative Mm -hmm. roster like there's there's a few different photographers that we're going to be starting to work with. There's a few videographers as well. Young, upcoming, kind of very focused, very determined people that want to do well. And essentially, they get, we we'll act as a platform for that, and we'll do our best to open doors for them as well. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the beauty of a smaller country. So that of. everybody knows somebody. You know. So, um. Absolutely. Uh, Rory, I thank you again for coming on tonight. Um. You're I'll um, hopefully we cross paths again when the when the scene's back up and running. I'm Fingers sure I'll crossed. see I'm sure I'll see you around the place. Fingers crossed, Don't come here. Thanks so much for having me. All the best. No worries. dude. best. Of luck. stay safe. Take care.
1: Thanks, bud.